South Africa has the most unique endemic flowers, the proteas. Our diverse climate provides excellent flower-growing regions for almost any type of flower. This week on Farmers Inside Track, we share a guide to starting a flower farm in Mzanzi. Any new farmer understands that unlocking their growth potential through technology is vital. Farmsel boss Aaron Kole unpacks this in our farmer development segment. In its seasonal climate watch for August to December 2021, the South African Weather Service predicts above normal minimum and maximum temperatures across the country. Independent climatologist and weather expert Johan van den Berg shares vital tips for farmers to deal with this. This week's hashtag soil sister powered by Foodform Zanzi and Koteva AgriScience is Ketue Maseko the founder of Gugulam Poultry House in Gauteng. Now she's a farmer who started out as a domestic worker and today she's a proud ambassador for the agricultural sector. On top of our reading list this week is Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy, a food business reporter who provides a good overview on cell-based meat developments. And Our farmer tip of the week comes from Boitumelo Matlanga, a crop scientist at the Agricultural Research Council. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to episode 91 of Food from Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Don Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Foodform Zanzi, and joining me is journalist and co-host Duncan Masiwa. Thanks, Don. It is great to be back, and the spring fever is officially here. You know, I think it's quite awesome. You know that we're kicking off the show with that promise talk about starting a flower farm in Mzanzi. Now, journalist Nicole Lodov chats to Freddie Kirsten. a fourth generation farmer who runs a flower farm called Eureka and initially started out as a family business Nicole over to you Freddy can you please tell us a little bit about what you do after I finish university and we start on an experimental base with with proteas on our farm in the Pau area after we've done some experiments on what we can plant in our area with our specific microclimate we start to plant it on a commercial base and today we do about 28 different types of proteas on three farms in and around Paul on all three farms we've got different microclimates we produce proteas for about 11 and a half months of the year and export to 34 countries around the world would you give us some insight into how farming with flowers works i think what is important is to understand that if i talk about protea i talk about proteaceae and underneath proteaceae you get lecodendron which is a type of a cone and then you get lecosperm which is a pin and you get a protea there is a lot of different proteas if you think about the protea you only think about the protea cinerodi the pink protea that you get on the national emblem of south africa that's not the case there's a lot of different proteas as well do you have any tips for aspiring flower farmers What is important before you start planting proteas is 
to get good soil samples, you need a specific microclimate with no frost. You need good quality water. And then you must make sure that the product you produce in that specific area is in a time of the year that the prices in the market is good. And I would suggest that anybody that start with Proteus get a good consultant to help him. It's a very nice industry. It's a relative small industry. It's a niche product and it has certain niche markets to where we export the product. Thanks, Freddie Kirsten. Freddie, of course, is a fourth generation farmer and owner of Eureka Flower Farm. Now, from flower farming to farmer development with FarmSol Managing Director Aaron Kole. Now, Aaron explains what it takes for new farmers to convert productivity into profitability. Aaron, you've stated that the difference between commercial and smallholder cost of production is influenced by various factors. Could you maybe break down some of these factors for us, please? No, I mean, normally when it comes to smallholder farmers, often more attention is given to what's the need to produce higher yields. Of course, this is important and should never be compromised. But however, in addition, it is also important not to lose sight of the fact that farmer profitability is a question of both yield and the cost of production. And to be profitable as a farmer, you need to strike the correct balance. Looking at the smallholder farmer cost of production, generally, it is expensive for smallholder farmers to produce a ton of grain on a hectare compared to established commercial farmers. To answer you, then, what are some of the factors that influence this cost gap? Well, if you look at commercial farmers, they've actually built up their potential, the potential of their soils for many years. This could be through applying products such as lime, you know, phosphate, uh, practicing intensive soil cultivation. And for us, this proves that soil correction is a long-term investment. And the smaller farmer attempting to achieve this in one season will drive annual cost of production very high. So to slowly close this gap, it is important that the smaller farmer build up slowly by devising a soil correction plan and spreading this cost over a three to five year period. This should also include resting some of the land and practicing things such as crop rotation. Another factor that I could mention is that many smallholder farmers lack the practical farming skills and know-how. This could be due to these farmers being the first generation farmers who are not exposed to farming early on in their lives. Therefore, you know, lacking practical farming skills. Lacking these practical farming skills can result in costly mistakes for the smallholder farmer. E.g., as an example, somebody could use a wrong herbicide, you know, consequently damaging crops or planting a correct plant population or even applying, you know, incorrect fertilizers. This could actually be very costly for that particular farmer. Another one is lack of mechanization tools and equipment. This also negatively influences the smallholder farmer cost. Outsourcing critical or all farm mechanization activities can prove to be a very costly exercise and the farmer can expect to pay huge sums of money on contractor fees. These are some of the factors that would drive your cost of production of producing a ton of grain compared to established um, commercial farmer for smaller farmers a little bit higher as comparison to those established commercial farmers. I think you've highlighted a few of these points in our previous discussions, and it's important then for us to also look back at that. So if you are interested to find out more about what Aaron has also just mentioned, do go back to our previous discussions on this podcast, Farmers Inside Track. Now, Aaron, FarmSol aims to narrow this gap that directly impacts job creation to transform rural areas into vibrant economies. How do you see this happening practically? It remains important to narrow the, both the yield gap and the cost gap to produce a ton of grain between commercial farmers and smallholder farmers. 
For example, as part of our program, we implemented a soil rehabilitation scheme. In this scheme, qualifying farmers are given an opportunity to rest their fields. And for that particular year, instead of planting, the focus is on correcting the soils. This is achieved through the application of lime and the repayment of that lime get restructured and get repaid over a period of three years. In the very same year, our focus also is really around, you know, controlling weeds. Access to mechanization is also another important area. The southern breweries invested in mechanization with farm for rent out to farmers at a highly affordable rates. With this mechanization, smaller farmers have access to modern technologies and can implement minimum tillage practices, such as strip tilling. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but you know, strip tilling is another way of doing some minimum tillage. We are looking at partnership to further extend this to, to more farmers. One other important piece is that availability of affordable and timeous production loan funding. I need to stress time is because, you know, in farming, you need to have this funding at the right time and in time. Having this funding late can also really prove very unproductive for you as a farmer and very risky. So this funding also needs to be accompanied by on-farm support. For us, we are thankful that SAB and other partners that we have in our scheme have made available production loan funding to support these farmers in our scheme. We also, as farms, will employ a large number of agri-specialists and farmer mentors to provide the farmers with mentorship and on-farm support. So overall, that's what we do to try and narrow this um, yield and cost gap with these three items and from farm source perspective. I think the important factor there that you mentioned is the timeless funding that needs to be there at the right time. And this is a cross-board, not only for farmers within your space, but for farmers starting yes. out in the industry. Um, we see it time and time again with the farmers that we engage with um, at Food from Zanzia and specifically farmers in Zanzia mm. on a daily basis. Aaron, at FarmSol, you have a number of experts in the field, including extension specialists like Barry Nell and Karaba Puzwe, who continually address the challenges smallholder farmers face to unlock their full production potential. What are the key components that you've just highlighted and that's specifically yield and cost? Yield and cost are important. You know, but the aim of our extension support is to provide mentorship and technical advice. But also embedded in this approach is the need to build the capacity of the farmer. I also need to mention that embedded in this approach is the need to build the capacity for the farm and build self-reliance other than dependency. What I mean by this is that we need to empower the farmer so that the farmer himself or herself can be able to walk in his own journey. Of course, in the beginning, there's going to be a whole lot of handholding support. But overall, our support will be, and the support that is getting provided by our great specialists like Barry Garabo, as you mentioned, is to ensure that this farmer eventually can be able to walk on his own. And for this agri specialist to be able to achieve that, there's a number of components that they actually would be doing. But within all this thing, really, is that there is a need to ensure that there's good farming practices that the farmer actually adopt all the time. And given the fact that we as farms, or we support the farmers from ensuring that this procurement of production inputs up until the farmer is able to harvest, is really start now with the soil. Is the soil, for example, correct to be planted on? Is there a soil sample for that particular soil? Is fertilizer applied in line with the need of that particular soil? Is the seed that is actually getting procured the right seed that the farmer needs to plant? And then they also then look at the calibration, the seed population that the farmer needs to actually plant. And with this then comes the whole issue of calibration, calibrating the tools and equipment 
so that the farmer can be able to correctly plant the number of seeds per hectare. That's what we refer to as seed plant population. That is correct, and that is within the potential of that farm in that area. These agri-specialists then will work with the farmer throughout the season to monitor crop growth and also eventually then arrange the delivery of the grain, you know, either for storage or for processing as the end of that value chain. Thanks again, Aaron, and be sure to check out Food from Zanzi on Fridays as we introduce you to a different Farmsol Youth Ambassador. Thanks again for joining us, Farmsol Managing Director Aaron Kole. We now change gears from farmer development to climate change. In its seasonal climate watch for August to December 2021, the South African Weather Service predicts above normal minimum and maximum temperatures across the country. We are now joined by independent climatologist and weather expert, Johan van den Berg. Now, Johan, agriculture is slowly but surely shifting its focus to the next production season, which begins in October. This as the harvest for summer grains and oil seeds draws to a close. Is the new season also bringing a weather change? At the end of a relatively cold and late winter, the season is starting now to change to its summer. There is at this stage still a possibility of relatively late frost in the central to southern parts of the country, but relatively of warm conditions is expected over the northern parts. The summer will be in full swing at the end of, of September over the central parts and more to the southern parts as well. In terms of rainfall, it's expected that the eastern production areas can receive or expect rain towards the end of September, October, November, and the central to western parts more from November, December. Relatively favorable conditions is expected. Now, it can be difficult for farmers to keep up between El Nino and La Nina climate patterns. The latest seasonal climate watch predicts a shift to a weaker La Nina during the early parts of the summer. What does this mean for farmers exactly? The current setup of the so-called ENSO phenomenon, El Nino Southern Oscillation, as we've seen, there's a weak La Nina phenomenon currently in the development stage. And it means that it will be relatively favorable conditions for the summer rainfall area. The weak La Nina means, especially over the central to, let's say, more western parts, not the extreme western parts, can expect rain a bit later in the season from about December, but eastern summer rainfall area more from October, November. And then finally, as someone who has worked in the agricultural space for so long, Are you anticipating shifts in the local market prices for commodities? What it means for the general farmer, for crop farmers, there's a high probability that there will be sufficient rain for a relatively good crop. And for the livestock farmers in the central to eastern parts, favorable conditions, but it's still uncertain about the very dry southwestern parts of the northern Cape that there will be sufficient rain early. The drought is still continuing there. What we anticipate for the shift in local commodity prices, it's very difficult because most of the grain crop commodity price is a derivative of international production conditions. But it seems that there's relatively good chance of a good maize and sunflower and even soybean crop that can put pressure on prices if the international conditions are favorable. So very difficult in terms of livestock, 
but farmers are mostly still in a building of stock the herd building and it's probably that prices will remain relatively high at this stage thanks don and great having you johan van den berg johan is of course an independent climatologist and weather expert listen our book of the week is coming up shortly but first we meet our hashtag soil sister ketiwe maseko who is the founder of gugulam poultry house in gauteng Now Ketiwe is a farmer who started out as a domestic worker and today she's a proud ambassador for the agricultural sector and is currently on a year-long blender development program at the Gibbs Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Ketiwe, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Tell us a bit about your farming operation and how exactly you got started. I started my farming journey in 2018. After identifying that there's a huge gap in poultry in my community, I raise broiler chickens from a day old. I operate from my home backyard. What are some of the toughest lessons that you've learned along the way? The toughest lesson that I have learned along the way was that first when I started, I didn't have a formal training on how to raise broiler chickens from a day old or how to take good care of broiler chickens. So I lost a lot of chickens. due to mortality because i didn't know how to vaccinate or use vaccines or there are any vaccines that can be used in broiler chickens but eventually i came all right with my good networking skills do you have any tips for women who's just started out in the industry my advice to other women entering the farming arena is that you know farming is a male dominated industry So when you start this journey never be intimidated or doubt yourself be brave you can do it be brave trust yourself and once you have started never give up of course you're going to encounter so many challenges but don't give up don't give up for the fact that you have started never look back just grab it and fly fly women life in south africa can be a lot i mean scroll through twitter for a minute and tell me i'm wrong Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Talk about a dynamic woman in agri. Be sure to check out Ketiwe Maseko's inspirational article on Food Form Zanzi's website. Now we're drawing closer to the end of another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmer selected Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy, a food business reporter who provides a good overview on soil-based meat developments. It considers the developing regulatory framework and the response from commercial agriculture. Carolyn Sampson, head for strategy and sustainability at Access Bank SA, reviewed this book. In December 2020, headlines appeared in news media around the world that Singapore has become the first country to approve the production and sale of sow-based meat for chicken nuggets. But what is sow-based meat and how does it differ from plant-based alternatives? Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy is a good place to start finding answers to these questions. The book provides a solid overview of the main themes in sow-based meat developments, including a brief history of the concept. It explains the basic science of obtaining and growing the cells, 
the equipment needed and the challenges in identifying the optimal growing media. It also delves into the developing regulatory framework and the response of commercial agriculture. Some companies aim to take advantage of more environmentally conscious consumers, while others are more focused on food security, given the potential impact of climate change on the sector. If you need detailed information on this concept, this is not the book for you. If you are, however, looking for an overview that will allow you to interpret and understand the concept of cell-based meat, this is a good place to start. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the CO.za, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Thanks, Carolyn Sampson, Head of Strategy and Sustainability at Access Bank. Before we let you go, we now share our Farmer Tip of the Week from Boitumelo Matlanga, Crop Scientist at the Agricultural Research Council. I still encourage young people to get into the agricultural industry as it is very important. It's like art for forming the basis of food security to our forever growing population. And it's also very important for economical growth. And there's also a lot of fun in the, in the process of agriculture. And it's very rewarding. I also find it very therapeutic. I really, really wish to see more young people in the industry or joining the industry. There are also available bursaries or funding for prospective agricultural science students. And that is the Citrus Academy for Fruit Production, Agricita for Agricultural Students, Potato South Africa, the National Research Foundation. They offer bursaries for undergraduate students. And our Farmer Top of the Week from Boitumelo Matlangu brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. Yes, yes. And remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, not forgetting on foodformzanzi.co.za as well. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludov, Caroline Sampson and our producer Megan van der Fent and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. What joins a continent but its continuous flow? Over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land. What ignites its future, but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow. The very life of tomorrow. African Blue Corteva Keep Growing Thank you.
You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.